When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, how's it going? This is Matt here from Silver Fortune with my weekly wrap-up video. You know, primarily what I want to talk about today is first uh, kind of what's been going on in these markets this week. Precious metals, the dollar, the stock market, the bond market, all have seen some, some really serious reversals throughout the week. But I also want to talk about big picture what has gone on this week, namely the Fed meeting, uh, poor, uh, poor or weak economic data, and the escalation of the trade war, and what that means long term. So, so starting off, you know, silver and gold this week, uh, actually all things considered not that bad of a week, especially for gold. Uh, up around 1440 was the close on the week. I'm recording this shortly after the close on Friday. Uh, silver, a, a bit of an underperformer on the week. Uh, just a little above $16 at the end. Now, I say not that bad, all things considered, because, you know, after the Fed meeting on uh, Wednesday, you know, gold was at its lowest right around like 1403 I think was a low. Silver actually dropped below $16 an ounce, and they both came off of those lows uh, pretty nicely, right? Uh, we could call those support levels, I think, at this point, $16 right around there, and, uh, you know, right around 1400 So that's that's positive. That's huge for, for both metals, especially since they closed up fairly high. Again, silver underperformed, which is a bummer, but take it as a, a gift, I guess, for those of you that are still stacking silver, uh, you know, including myself when I you know have the extra uh, cash. So that's kind of silver and gold this week. And, and certainly the, the environment right now economics economically speaking monetarily speaking is is ripe for a bull market right i've been saying for a while now that this is the next bull market for silver and gold and what's happened this week i think only further reinforces that view so first we had the fed meeting the the fed rate cut the hawkish rate cut as we later came to find out at the fed press conference in which Powell tried to to basically paint itself or paint the the rate cut as a mid cycle adjustment rather than uh, a beginning of a new easing cycle, not unlike the uh, easing cycle that began back in two uh, thousand seven, uh, like eleven or twelve years ago, with a twenty five basis point cut. And of course, markets didn't react well to that, right? That's not what the stock market, that's not what the precious metals wanted to hear. The dollar rallied on it. But then Trump comes out today and further escalates his trade war, or sorry, not today, Thursday, with a 10% tariff on $300 billion worth of Chinese imported goods. $300 billion. So at this point, okay, to, to put this in perspective, this trade war has been going on for well over a year now, right? Some form of tariffs have been in effect for over a year now. And, you know, I want to say it's almost all imported goods to the United States at this point have some form of a tariff on them, right? I think it varies. This round is 10% in the past. I think it's been 25%. But basically, all Chinese imports have a tariff on them, right? And you know how uh, reliant U.S. consumers are and U.S. businesses are on cheaply imported goods from China, 
right? And so at what point, with this trade war having been going on now for over a year, and, and almost all imported goods now have some sort of a tariff on them, at what point do we see this seriously trickling down into the U.S. economy? I'm not just talking uh, businesses cutting back on investment because of fear of the trade war, right? We already see that going on. We're essentially in a manufacturing and transportation recession here in the United States. I'm talking about how is that 10% to 25% tariffs going to be transmitted, right? Who is going to pay for that? right? Because it's essentially a tax. It's, it is a tax. It's a tax on imported goods, right? It's money that's going to the U.S. government. So it's going to happen uh, one of three or four ways, right? So first of all, you have the possibility that some Chinese uh, exporters exporting to the United States will cut their costs, okay? Well, that's going to be, you know, a cost on the Chinese economy, essentially, right? And their economy's not doing hot. They're, right? Where their economy goes, if it starts to tank, that doesn't bode well for the U.S. economy or the global economy. Obviously, the, the entities that are actually importing, uh, buying these imports, are going to be the one paying the tariff, right? So obviously, they're, they're going to you know, pay that ultimately. But, but how are they going to then transmit that cost to the consumers, right? So either Chinese exporters, exporters are going to say, hey, you can pay less, right? Or they're going to eat that cost, these, these importers, right, which is not going to be good for their businesses, their bottom line, right, or they're going to, you know, transmit it down, down the line to, to uh, other businesses or to consumers, right, and then consumers have to eat that cost. It's not a positive, right? If there's any positive out of this is that the U.S. government maybe has a slightly better uh, 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 budget, I guess, slightly more income. But in the whole scheme of things, this can be extremely detrimental to the business uh, economy, to businesses small and large, as well as consumers, and not a whole lot of benefit goes to the actual U.S. government in terms of taxes, right? That's not the point of these tariffs, is not to to fund the U.S. government. I mean, uh, that was a thing of the past, and, and it'd be great if government was small enough for that to work again today, but it's not, right? And so even despite these tariffs, we're still going to see the deficit rise, right? It's not going to be enough to significantly eat away at the deficit, which is well over a trillion dollars. Uh, so what we're going to see is we're going to see businesses eat that cost, both in the U.S. and potentially China, and consumers, right? Prices go up, whether it be on... on uh, uh, items at Walmart, right, or, or uh, imported electronics from China, or, I mean, China and global trade as a whole, not even just China, is so incredibly integrated, globalized, right, and, and that's not necessarily always a bad thing, and, and I think we're going to find that out. Right when we see prices go up and we're going to see the economy suffer for it. So uh, my question is, at what point does this trickle down? And I think it already has in the form of not only you know those higher costs, but also just general bearishness and, and caution from investors and, and uh, the decision makers at these various businesses. But it's only going to get worse from here. And, and that brings us to the other big news item this week, the Fed cutting interest rates by a whole 25 basis points, right? I think I saw a headline for Bloomberg is, is something along the lines of is, is the Powell put going to be enough to, to basically compensate, I don't know the exact wordage, compensate for the Trump tariffs? And I think the answer is no, 
right? It, let's say base case, the economy is, is just even at 2% growth, 3% growth, whatever. Let's assume we're not heading for a recession regardless of the trade war, which I think we are anyways. But let's assume that's a base case, right? If, if these massive tariffs are coming on board and, and we're seeing economic growth slow and, and consumption and whatnot slow, and a quarter percentage point rate cut comes into the mix, that's not going to be enough to, to prevent uh, a recession, prevent a further downturn. Right? The Fed is going to have to do more, more. But again, that's just the base case I'm talking here. Regardless of this trade war, we're already well overdue for a recession. The economic data would bear out that that we were heading for one anyways. Right? We're in the midst of a what would appear to be a euro-dollar squeeze, which globally has been very bearish for growth the last, time, the last couple of times it's happened since uh, 2007 or 2008. So this is not a good situation for the Fed to be in, and they're cutting rates by a whole quarter percentage point. It makes absolute sense for the dollar to tank and precious metals to rise on news that these tariffs are, are coming on board because it's going to mean the economy is going to be in a rough place six months, 12 months from now as the effect of these tariffs uh, uh, work their way through the business, uh, uh, the, the plethora of businesses that are involved in importing uh, Chinese goods as well as just consumers. So I, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, I, I find a way to, to, I want to find a way to not be too biased and say, hey, Maybe the U.S. economy, there's bright spots out there, but, but these things just keep coming up, right? And this is only piling on top of the massive fundamental uh, problems that have already existed in the United States for a long time, namely massive amounts of debt and, and low, uh, unnaturally low interest rates, right? And, and the demographics issue here in the United States, uh, the aging population and, and eventually what will be probably a shrinking population, Right, all of those factors when they come into play, they're they're not bullish for long-term secular growth. And so, what would make some people think that it's somehow going to be bullish for the stock market? Right, I, I, I just don't I just don't get it. Right, um, so that's kind of what what I'm seeing right now. I mean, with this escalation of the trade war, this is only going to make things worse, right? There's going to be some in the media that blame this recession on Trump trade, right? And there's going to be some on the other side of the media that will blame it on uh, the Federal Reserve, maybe, or Democrats or Obama or whoever, right? Uh, but, but I want you guys to know that there's not going to be one single cause of this, right? You can pick, you know, individual factors that came into play. Trump trade war? Yeah, absolutely. That's going to be part of it. The Fed tightening interest rates? Uh, quantitative tightening. Yeah, that's part of it. Obama and his policies and the fact that he had very low interest rates for a long time, he benefited from that and and maybe Obama era regulation or whatever. Yeah, that's going to be part of it. But these are not, right, those are just small issues in the whole scheme of things, much like the, the subprime crisis and the uh, great financial crisis. That was just a small factor that gets blamed for, for a much larger a recession, a much larger set of issues, right? Namely, there's some serious problems with how the Fed does business with with unnaturally uh, dovish monetary policy over far too long of a period, right? Uh, maybe there's some system, systematic issues with, with how the Fed does, should they even exist in the first place, right? Uh, as far as debt goes, uh, we live in an economy in which 
the economy can only grow with greater and greater levels of debt at the government, corporate, consumer level. That's not a good way to run an economy over the long term, right? That's a that's a huge fundamental flaw, right? And then there's there's deeper concerns here too, that that could really turn this next you know economic downturn into a full blown financial crisis. I'm talking massive derivative markets and derivative uh, uh, balance sheets for for most of the world's large financial institutions, uh, or if we even want to get to the root of it, things like a fiat money system or uh, fractional reserve banking. I mean, those are serious issues that are, are systemic. And, and hey, you know, it's not a popular thing to say that, hey, we should have a gold or silver-backed currency or mint silver coins or, or anything like that. It's not popular to say that banks should not operate on a fractional reserve system. It's not popular to say the Fed should not have the right to to control the money supply or the interest rates on the money supply or that that foreign banks can have some control over that as well through the euro dollar system. These are not popular nor are they um, very common uh, uh, feelings that are expressed among the financial media because you know over the short term yeah these would be extremely painful reforms to to put in place. They would not be in the benefit of, of the wealthy, the ruling class, the elite, whatever you want to call them. And, you know, over the short term, maybe they aren't, you know, the fastest way for an economy to grow. But over the long term, they create a solid base, right? They create solid fundamentals, right? What good is it to, to try and build on what we have, economically speaking, here in the United States, right? It's like building an economy on a foundation of, of sand. Right, and it's almost like a, a biblical analogy here. But, but honestly, I mean, if you uh, let's go full blown here with this biblical analogy, right? Of course, the analogy is is that you need to build your 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 life and your faith on on a solid foundation of, of God, His Word, uh, Jesus, whatever you know. That's the solid foundation, right? And all other ground is sinking sand. I mean that that if you want to base your 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 whole life and your faith on some sort of worldly philosophy, that's, that's not a good recipe for success, right? It's ever-shifting, right? It's not a solid foundation in which you can view the world, create your own worldview. And it's kind of a similar thing for precious metals, or sorry, for precious, for the, for the economy right now, the U.S. economy, that if it's going to somehow expect that, that our current fundamentals are a solid foundation is not a recipe for success because of not only massive amounts of debt uh, historically low interest rates poor demographics but even just these systemic issues like fractional reserve banking the fed uh, and its mere existence or uh, derivatives markets and all those things are not a solid foundation right and it's not a good recipe for long-term secular growth. If anything, it's it's a recipe for uh, collapse. You know, the other day, a <laughs> quick analogy here. The other day, my wife really surprised me, and she said, "Hey, do you want to watch a movie?" I'm like, sure. So, do you want to watch a movie that she did not like the first time she watched it? In fact, it was when we were dating back. Uh, I think I was in high school at the time. She fell asleep during it, uh, and it's of course. Uh, Monty Python and the Quest for the Holy Grail. I, I hope I have some uh, uh, 
fans of the movie, kind of a cult classic from back in the uh, 1970s. But there's this part in the movie where where there's this king, okay, and he's got a castle, and he's talking to his son on his son's wedding day, and his son is like, you know, the opposite of a, an alpha male, very, I guess, effeminate, right? And he, he's into singing, and he's into feelings and, and whatnot, and, and just kind of the opposite of his father, right? Not that there's anything wrong for a guy to be interested in that at all, but certainly not what his dad, I think, would want to see in him, I guess, polar opposites. And so um, he's talking about how, you know, <laughs> he's trying to build something here, right, in terms of a, a kingdom, basically. And, and he starts off talking about how he, uh, all the other kings made fun of him when he went to build a castle in a swamp. But he built it anyways. He says, I built it anyways. And it fell over and sank into the swamp. But I built it again. And it fell over and sank into the swamp. And I built it a third time. And it burned down, fell over and sank into the swamp. But the fourth time, I think it's four times. It's, and he's like, and that's what you get. Prime, you know, real estate. And, and of course, the, the relation what I'm saying here is that, you know, those that are looking for long-term secular growth in the U.S. economy are, are looking to build a castle on a swamp. Right, and and it's just not going to stand. It's going to fall over and sink into the swamp. So, maybe that's what I should just title this. I, I should I should honestly just create like a, a thumbnail of, of Monty Python and say that our economy is like a castle. It's about to fall over and sink into the swamp. But but seriously, that's what we're dealing with right now. And this trade war is only going to exacerbate issues, and it's only going to bring on the next recession and the next Fed easing cycle and the next big move up in silver and gold sooner. So as always, thank you guys from the bottom of my heart for watching this video, listening to this podcast, and God bless.